You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailer and behind the scenes. And we're returning to a VHS this week. What do we do, Matt? We are talking about the 1985 Michael J. Fox starring Teen Wolf. For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. going through changes. His voice is changing. Give me a keg of beer. Is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? Scott Howard? This is your father speaking. Now open this door right this minute. A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue. Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. He's always wanted to be something special, but he never expected this. Teen Wolf. He's got style. There's something different about you. Did you change your hair? He's got class. Wolf person. He's got hair all over his body. Wolves aren't supposed to be shy. He's a wolf in teens clothing. And tonight is his night to howl. Teen Wolf, a new comedy with Michael J. Fox, star of Back to the Future. getting the fall started off that's right with a little werewolf action it's halloween season everybody (laughs) we're getting closer i can see some of the leaves starting to fall i mean in chicago like fall can't wait to come (laughs) yeah and also too coming off of like like 100 degree days they they weren't 100 but they were like super hot 90 degree days uh i'm ready for fall let's bring it on (laughs) it's just so funny it's it's like chicago's built for fall like we get we get through the rest of the shit. We barely have a spring. We have a little bit of a hot summer, and then we're just mostly fall. <laughs> can't wait. It's my favorite season. Uh, I can't wait, and I love fall in Chicago. So bring it on, I say. Yeah, and now you can walk around the streets with barely anyone there. We're just all wearing masks and staying away from each other, so you can see all the views you want. Yeah, it's great. I love staying away from other people. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, I want to see them. yeah no uh (laughs) same but also stay away from me (laughs) they're like hey did you know there's a pandemic going around what no i just avoid people in general (laughs) yeah i just this is what i was doing anyway (laughs) oh we get into this this is such an interesting franchise that came and went kind of quick kind of came back so what's your history with the teen wolf 1985 film here 
Um, I've seen this a bunch of times. It's not, this was not a new one for me. Uh, I've seen this movie a ton of times growing up. Uh, I always, I remember though, the first time I ever turned this movie on on TV when I like flipped was channel surfing. I was probably like eight or nine years old, channel surfing, watching TV. And I switched it on during the part where the wolf is surfing on the van doing the surfing usa thing so the second occurrence of the van surfing but when it's the wolf doing it so near the end of the movie the last half hour of the movie i remember turning it on and being like what the fuck is this <laughs> there's a werewolf on top of a van the beach boys are playing uh i i had no idea what this movie was and then had since then since after watched the entire thing but uh, i'll never forget switching the channel over to that not knowing that this even existed and being like what the fuck am i looking at and it's urban surfing, which is crazy. Quite a moment. <laughs> yeah, I would say the only other striking visual moment that I really remember is him and his dad. Yeah, uh, those were the other scenes that I remembered from being a kid. Mm-hmm. The times where they're like discussing or like the reveal when the when the, the father opens the door and he's a werewolf as well. Yeah, those are definitely the moments I remember as a kid. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? Uh, quite a bit, but not really from renting it. I don't know if we ever really rented this film. It was played so much on television. Yeah. I think the majority of these movies I just saw like, oh, you know, it's already 15 minutes in. I like Teen Wolf. Oh, it's the very end of Teen Wolf and stuff like that. It's just I never this was never a staple in the Bay family with with all the kids, you know, we were just, it was fun and we never turned it off, but we never went out of our way to watch it from minute one to the end. It's a very interesting, I don't really know what you call this type of movie of the fandom I was because it's just like, I would never turn it off, but I would never turn it on. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly in the same boat. I can, can relate to that. I never owned this movie until recently. And then, like, yeah, I I only watched it when it was on TV, and I liked the movie, and I watched it when it was on TV. But yeah, it was just, like you said, it was on TV so much, I didn't own it. just caught it when it was on. Uh, Like Bill and Ted, the first one, The Excellent Adventure, where it's a cheap teen comedy, which was huge in the 80s. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of them that really stood out beyond the rest and other than the john hughes you know few ones it was really the back to the futures the teen wolves the excellent adventures because they were just weird they were that fun weird that really stuck out you know especially with a kid growing up at that time where basic comedy you know kind of like where caddyshack you know where they're just going around making jokes the entire time there was like a spectacle around them teen wolf had the werewolf Back to the Future had the car, and then, you know, Excellent Adventure had the phone booth. There was this, like, premise of props that were, you know, kind of, like, put into it, and they were became, like, a symbol of the film. But also, growing up, you realize, like, well, what also made them actually stand out to you was not so much the props. A lot of movies have great props. It's the characters. The characters are just so likable. Yeah, how do you not like Michael J. Fox, you know? It's like, yeah, it's cool he becomes a werewolf, but also it's Michael J. Fox. You love him. (laughs) I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if he's just so... He's really a down-to-earth star. At least he appears to be. Right, he's likable, he's relatable, but he's like still like good-looking movie star as well. He's got the it factor of like all of it. He covers it all. It's also an 
odd director to take on this rod daniel i mean he's actually not odd at all he's just you know when you think about a lot of these 80s like huge movies that came from shoestring budgets he didn't go on to have the prolific career he just he did a few other things which beethoven second you know i i know you're probably going to talk about that <laughs> i've never seen i've only ever seen the first oh. I, one of these days i'm sure i will end up going through the entire series of that as well because i hate myself but uh <laughs> i've only seen the first one <laughs> yeah I, I always thought you were a beethoven guy i thought you maybe said that in the past one day oh i love the first one i love yeah. the first one <laughs> So uh, he's also got one that I, I bet did not age well, and it's called The Super with Joe Pesci, where he is, you know, running a building of low income in the city. Ooh, yikes. Yeah, I don't know if I want to touch that one. <laughs> oh, I do, because I imagine it's based off Trump. Oh, is it? I mean, I, I don't know, but it's 1991 in New York. Oh, OK. Yeah, then it probably is. Yeah, so that might be curious, and I guarantee you it's aged. I there's a lot of like, wow, this is what we were doing then. Yikes! <laughs> you know, it's kind of like one of those time capsules where you're like, we've really changed, and then you yeah. look back and you're like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> nineteen ninety one wasn't wasn't so you're like different time, but it wasn't so far away. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's kind of exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> we get into this, we pop this tape. No, no, what am I doing? We have to rent the tape, Steve. <laughs> so we're walking down the aisle, Matt. If we're if we're, you know, looking for a comedy, we're looking for something, you know, that our parents are gonna definitely let us rent. What do we got on the cover here? So this cover, it's a it's a black cover with like a gold trim around it and like the titles in gold as well. It's a it says special collector series. Uh, it's from 1986, so a year after the movie came out theatrically, um, and it's it says Teen Wolf in gold, and our image is of Michael J. Fox uh, framed right in the center here, painted with a full moon sky in the background, and it's him. Just looking like Michael J. Fox normal, opening up his shirt, but in his shirt he has a Teen Wolf shirt on, there's a bunch of hair sprouting out from the top of the shirt, and he's got like werewolf claws for hands as he's opening up the shirt. And he's in like a letterman's jacket, he looks like an 80s sports kid. And then underneath the picture there, it's a Paramount 75th Anniversary logo and Atlantic Releasing Corporation on there. Uh, very early, or not very early VHS, very mid-80s VHS cover here. I think seeing Michael J. Fox in the full moon with the werewolf hands is enough for me to pick this one up. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but it was so available on television that we never did. Like yeah, but if I had, if this was never on TV, ever, I think I would have picked this up. Yeah, I could easily see that. Uh, it just had that weird fun kids comedy type thing even though it's more for teenagers yeah and it has it has enough of the elements of horror kind of like that halloween spooky for kids uh, horror light kind of feel to it with the full moon and the werewolf thing so i think this is enough for me to definitely want to check out all right what's the uh, description on the back michael j fox is red hot the star of television's Family Ties and Back to the Future scores as Scott Howard, a teenager who yearns to be more than a nice average guy, and he gets his wish. From deep within his personality, the teen wolf emerges, 
hair, eyes that glow in the dark. He becomes super popular, the coolest wolf in town. It's fun. It's a fun-filled comedy, proving that when a fox meets wolf, fur flies and laughs begin. 1985, color, 92 minutes, PG. That's all like smashed on there with the description. This is a definitely, we were talking about this, this is an old VHS. Yeah, we only get one still on the back and it's just a cast photo. It's not even like a photo from the movie. It's just like, here's your main cast all standing next to each other. Yeah, does it have a year on there? 86. Yo, yeah, this is, this is early. This is when it was starting to like, we're okay, this is a mass product that we can send out there and everything. It didn't get until like the late 80s, maybe early 90s, where just they became like just packed with trailers, which is fun. This is what we want, but. Though, a little early for like the trailers and the big presentation of the. I feel like this, because it says collectors, special collectors edition, it's from 1986. I get the vibe that this is like an early to own vhs like one of the first one of the first round of vhs is coming out priced to own you know coming off of like 83 84 when tapes were like hundreds of dollars to get with just one of them i believe in 86 that was still when you had the movie clubs and everything like that where people were paying like i looked back in the past and it was 50 dollars a month in a movie club where you would get two movies a month or one movie a month something like that i don't know what it was can you that's in 80s in the mid 80s that much <laughs> you have to be rich that's like paying i don't even know what the inflation on that is but it's probably around 100 or over that's nuts the the, the days of the the movie club subscription are long over <laughs> i mean it was not going to make it <laughs> as soon as rental shops started to come out and I, I remember hearing about it it was about 87 when it popped like people were like holy shit we can just get these movies for you know i don't know what they were charging like 40 50 bucks when the price started to go down because of all these independent production companies coming out then the big houses are like we're losing to them because our movies cost a hundred dollars <laughs> And, and then by 88, 89, then you could buy previously viewed movies from the video store that are now 10 bucks. And now they're like, fuck, how do we keep up? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was crazy. It was fun to see like how much of this changed. But that's for, you know, our historical podcast of VHSing. <laughs> so we pop this tape in. We get absolutely no trailers and it sucks. Yeah, we do get a fun Paramount Home Video logo that I've never seen before in here uh maybe because it's early but uh that's well, about it that's it then the movie just starts yeah this is the pre-indiana no no this is post indiana jones so it was the mountain right yeah but the paramount home video thing it's just like there it doesn't have the mountain and it just kind of like comes towards the screen in a bunch of different colors and then it cuts to the mountain you know on the movie so like the mountains there still but the home video logo is just different I don't remember it on there. I, I recorded the VHS, so I can look. But what happens a lot of times when I ha when I have this from a Shout Factory release, like I do this one, I will watch the beginning of the VHS and make sure the tape's fine and everything like that. But if it doesn't have promos, it really knocks me out. Like and they go, ah, I can just go watch this in the living room because I have the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. When you can like watch it on the couch, that's nice. <laughs> The troll cave, you know, I need I need a couch back here. 
even though I don't have room. I need like a blow up couch and then I'd never leave this place. <laughs> <laughs> so so what you're saying is you don't need a blow up couch in there. <laughs> Uh, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so we get into this film, and it is so simple. He is on a basketball team. The basketball team sucks. And I mean, it really sucks. Hey, this movie is just a werewolf plays basketball. There's more to it, but you know what I mean. But not much. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's not much. It's like a, it's a, he's bad at basketball. Oh, he's a wolf. Oh, he could be good at basketball as a wolf. But then he's going to learn to be good at basketball himself. That's kind of the bigger, bigger picture plot of the movie. And it's really simple. But, you know, sometimes simple is better. Yeah. Popularity comes and goes. Be yourself. That's who you really are. That's how you are truly the coolest is being yourself. Yeah. Unless you're Dennis from, you know, face the music <laughs> and then you're just never cool <laughs> other than he looked like he could dance so maybe he is cool a little bit maybe he's got a little cool in him <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's about being yourself yeah and that's what the that's what the whole plot of the movie is just you know you may have this in you but just be yourself and it's a puberty allegory too where he's like yeah. getting older and then he turns into a werewolf it is a sports movie too at its heart like if, like you just said because it is such a basketball movie like the 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 first couple basketball scenes and then the wolf basketball scene and then the final basketball scene they're pretty long scenes so i think this is a sports movie as much as it is like a halloween coming of age movie as well well yeah and the behind the scenes on the documentary that they did you know shop factory always does pretty good documentaries on most of these and it's just like you know when they were the two writers were putting together all these ideas to pitch to a Atlanta Atlantic releasing, like they didn't think this wouldn't be picked up when they got a call back. They're like, yeah, yeah, we want to buy that uh, werewolf, a basketball movie. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so they went and started writing this, but I will give the creators of this a lot of credit, which is Matthew, Wiseman and I forget the other guy's name. Isn't like Joseph Loeb the Third or something like that? Like he's got a. I think it is Loeb because I kept thinking earlobe. Yeah, I'm looking at the back. Yeah, Joseph Loeb the Third. Yeah, so he's he's actually really good at his job. Like he has been part of a lot of super creative titles. He's the one that kind of is like, ah, I'm not actually that good. I'm just really good at you know looking over scripts and like taking out what's bad. And you're like, no, that's what makes you good. <laughs> like, I know you're trying to do this like humble pie bullshit. And I get it. It's what kind of what makes you charming in the documentary. But that's very important because a lot of writers are really good at creative ideas, but they're terrible at taking out the shit. Yeah, I mean, and these and Joseph Loeb and Matthew Weissman are probably laughing all the way to the bank because they created this character in these in this franchise you know, now that it's become an MTV show and there was like an animated show, there's been a second movie. These guys are probably the ones making making money on the property here. And so they're probably laughing all the way to the bank now. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but these are comic book guys. Oh, really? And it's all over the script. This is a Spider-Man script. With great power comes great responsibility. The line's even in there. <laughs> yeah. and, and this was before, you know, Marvel did their whole Marvel thing. And they were just like, yeah, well, we looked at this and it was like, it's a father and son story. And that's actually how they picked the director. 
is he was the only one who got, you know, when they're just talking, like, what do you think this story is about? And one of the stories is definitely about a super visual director who thought it was, uh, you know, like a, a lot, you know, about bullying and how all yada, yada, yada. It's clearly Tim Burton. Like the mm-hmm. way they were describing it, they can't say they're like, we're not going to say the names, but Tim Burton didn't understand the story. That's what they were trying to say during the documentary. Is it Tim Burton? No facts on this. Okay. This is me making up my own <laughs> story. And I believe speculating from what I have creating a scientific theory here. It's Tim Burton. And you know what? <laughs> I just said it. It's fact. <laughs> now it's fact though. Now yes. it's on the internet. Now it's fact. Uh, I hope it's Tim Burton. But I, you know, with the whole bully kind of like preview of this, I that sounds like Tim Burton. Yeah, that's right up his alley, right in his wheelhouse for sure. Bullying, fitting in, standing out when you're trying to fit in. Yeah, it's right in his. And this isn't, I'm not trying to insult that. Like Tim Burton, man, early Tim Burton and mid Tim Burton has produced some of the greatest iconic movies of my lifetime. So he understood what he was trying to do. It just didn't match up with this film. Yeah, this needed to be more less of like the yeah, the Tim Burton aspects and more of the fun poppy teen kind of California vibe that this has, even mm-hmm. though it's what is it, Nebraska they shot in? It wasn't even California. I don't even know. I don't remember. Shot in 21 days, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think in I think in the end credits it said uh, the town in Nebraska they filmed in, but I don't know if that's exclusively where they filmed. But it does have like this California vibe to it, this '80s California fun teen vibe. Yeah, that that's what they were going for. So I think I think one of the writers is from California, and they you know, of course, all the production houses are in California, so it's perfect. You know, it's the same thing with Bill and Ted. The Southern California, like, yeah, man, just relax, have a good time. Mm. But also the neighborhoods didn't look California. Maybe some of the other neighborhood, like when they were going to the liquor store and stuff like that, that was probably California. Maybe. I don't know. They mentioned Nebraska in the credits, so I don't know if it's just the school or if part of the town is or whatever. But uh, regardless, they get a vibe that feels, you know. It almost feels like summer. It feels like, even though it's in school, it feels like summer. It feels like, it just carefree well, teen feel. Th- that's funny. It feels like August right before fall. That's what I am really feeling from this film. It feels like we're about to get into fall. You know, I see Boof is wearing some sweaters. And may I say, I have a super crush on Boof. Always have. I love that her name is Boof. I love that. I love that. That's like her nickname or name or whatever. <laughs> She's just the sweetest looking like just the girl where your parents would be like, that's who you should marry. Be like, thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah. Maybe don't say that so fucking loud. She's a quintessential girl next door. Mm-hmm. You know, grew up. You grew up with her. You're best friends with her. And then like now you're getting older and maybe you're going to take a next step with her. Yeah. I know the the casting on that. I mean, the casting with Michael J. Fox and with oh, fuck, her name is Susan. It's Susan. I do not know her last name. Do I have to go to the Internet or does it matter? No, Susan Ur City. 
uh, going into this. Yeah, so he's he's bad at basketball. The team's not good, and he wants to be more. And you know what? Boof is like, yeah, I want to be more too. <laughs> like, I don't want to be just your friend. I want to be your girlfriend. But Scott's like got this whole bullshit of like, yeah, but I need the blonde. Yeah, he's got blinders on. For yep. what is it, Pam? Isn't it, is that her name? I think I think it's her. I think it's her name. I think he's got eyes for Pam only. Uh, the blonde, perfect valley girl kind of thing, and she's with the douchebag opposing team basketball yeah. uh, player boyfriend. You know what? I think Pam's a little ahead of her time. I know some people will look at this and be like, ugh. She's such a slut, you know, she's like sleeping with people. I was like, yeah, she's stuck in this town. This is my opinion, by the way, <laughs> uh, obviously. She's but stuck it's on in the this... internet now, so yeah, it's fact. It's fact. <laughs> uh, she's stuck in this town and she's like, you know, I don't really know how to get out of here. I got this guy over here. Yeah, he's good looking, but I don't know. And this is definitely like an older trope of females because she could just go to college, become a professional, get her get herself out of the town. But males are writing this film from the 80s okay so i get it she's looking for kind of her opportunity to rise to the top and she's like yeah i'll bang a wolf that might get me to the top but then scott's like oh so we're like dating and boyfriend girlfriend right and she's like no fuck scott come on dude you're just a (laughs) wolf right now i wanted to bang you yeah you're popular right now i just yeah (laughs) and i was like that's kind of progressive because that's like a dude thing to do like no i just wanted to you know, I wanted a sample. <laughs> I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty free about it. And she's just like, yeah, she's got the other guy wrapped around her finger, too. So she can always stay popular. You know what I mean? Like she's got she's kind of got the town, ra- the the school wrapped around her finger. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Kind of progressive in an odd way that yeah. was fun. <laughs> but it's progressive as in males are writing it. It should have been like, no, I want to get the fuck out of this town. That's why I'm going to go to college and I'm studying or whatever. No. And instead, it was just like, nah, it's pretty superficial, Scott. Just wanted to bang a wolf. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's For the time, I think it's very, very uh, progressive. I was actually surprised how much of her, her body they showed. I was like, whoa, is this a sex comedy? What do we got? What are we doing here? I thought this was like a family thing. You know, the 80s, you could push the buttons a little bit. You could, you could ride that PG rating a little bit. No, their filter was so, so little then. They're like, oh, no, women are objects, remember? They're fine. They're fine. Boobies, butt, got it. (laughs) They didn't show boobs, but they did show some, uh, I always forget this era, and maybe it went a long time before this, but like where women's underwear didn't fit tight, (laughs) they were really like loose. And I'm like, is that comfortable? I don't know. Yeah, no, no, because she's in her underwear. Uh, yeah, and you see up. it. <laughs> and it's, it's very, it's very loose. And I was like, you know, it feels like I don't like loose boxers. They get in the way. This is my opinion. I like something that's a little form fitting a little bit, so I don't feel it all the time. And I was like, she is complete opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just loose and just loose and loose. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was comfortable or not. I don't know. It's probably just the eighties. Yeah, but it's just the 80s, so who knows? Or it was just a wardrobe malfunction. They're like, I'm sorry, our last actress was a little thicker. Yeah, and then, and then now you got to wear these. <laughs> yeah. So this is all we have because we're we're on a shoestring budget. Most of our money went to Scott's, I mean, Michael J. Fox's werewolf. 
uh, so yeah, they're, they're doing the whole thing where he is changing. He's he's maturing, you know, like you said, the puberty aspect of this, which I, I find fun. And he turns into a wolf and then his dad with the most hysterical, like single dad because his mom died um, at some point. I don't do we know how his mom passed away? I don't think so. I don't think they I don't say think so either. Anyway, his dad's just like, ah, yeah, probably should have told you about that earlier. You're a werewolf. <laughs> he was like, I wasn't going to tell you because I thought it might skip you. It does skip generations, but uh, I guess it didn't skip you. <laughs> An explanation is probably long overdue. An explanation? Jesus Christ, Dad. An explanation? Look at me. Look at you. It's not as bad as it looks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. You mean you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. I was hoping it would pass you by. Well, Dad, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. His awkward dad humor, though. Right. His awkward dad, like, ah, I didn't want to cross this bridge until I knew, you know, you know. That I had to. You're <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, his, his dad's really funny. Just a perfect 80s dad. Like Midwest uh, suburban home dad. I own my own business. I love this town. I'm going to die in this town kind of person. It's fun. But his dad also really loves him and protects him later on in the film. So that's what you cherish so much about this. I don't know, Midwest family, like you're saying. Yeah. Even though it was just, you know, it was a single dad. Yeah, he's definitely everybody's dad when they're watching this movie. He's like the 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 dad of the audience for the movie. Yeah. Very dependable, trusting. He just pulls it all off, and he really doesn't have a ton of lines. But when he speaks, it's very important. Yeah, and I think uh, I think he is one of the, and I think the director got it right. He's one of the hearts of the movie, for sure. Now... One of the characters in this movie that honestly I just remember kids always talking about in the playground is Styles. And man, did they nail this casting. Styles, where the hell did you get this? Hey, Harry's used cars, man. We traded in the Nova, even swap. Why? Get out of here. How much extra did you pay for this? It's an even swap. For certain considerations. Looky here. Oh. <laughs> hey, surf's up. Yeah, what a what an interesting character Styles is when you really break him down, you know, because I feel like he's kind of like a nerd. Yeah, he's like the ringleader at this party and he's like this popular guy, but he's a weird dude. How did this happen? How did Styles get so popular? Well, he's not popular because even when they go through this entire which, by the way, they spend a lot of time on getting this keg of beer. Which I, I it's just a setup that you know like Scott's learning to kind of abuse his powers. Yes. And they get this keg of beer. They show up at this party, and then they're like, "Yeah, just throw it in the other pile of kegs." And Styles is like, "Damn it!" <laughs> but yeah, you know, Styles is an entrepreneur. He's he's looking to start his own business. What that business is, he has no idea. But he's just going to take advantage of whatever he's got. But. This party is not real, folks. <laughs> this I've been to some crazy parties. There's some aspects of this party that are kind of real, but I've never been to a party like this where like Styles is doing this whole game where it's basically just like we're 
we're all about to fuck, but no one's fucking yet. And I'm like, this is this is nuts. They're like wrestling in. Was there mud wrestling in this? I think it was ready whip. Yeah, I think it was ready whip wrestling that they were doing. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it happened in the 80s in the craziest coked up parties of all time. But this shit was also on a weekday. What? (laughs) What? Yeah, until we got to the until we got to the ready whip, I actually did think I was like, wow, this is like a lot of like house parties I went to in high school where it's like it's somebody's family's house. Yeah. It's way too crowded. You can't really move. Uh, and like, yeah, there's 57 kegs that they don't need <laughs> and everybody's still bringing beer. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty accurate for like every house party I've ever been to until we get to like the ready whip wrestling. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I could obviously see the two minutes. Oh, by the way, they said, oh, two minutes in the closet. I'm like, it's seven minutes in heaven. What, what fucking town doesn't have seven minutes? Two minutes. <laughs> Two minutes. Two minutes. You're not That's the awkward done. part. That's the awkward, like, hey, I've kind of always liked you and kind of want to do this, but now we're in it. You know, like, no, no, no. You need seven minutes because, like, four minutes of it is awkward. Then you start kissing, and then the door opens, and that's the embarrassment. This is like, wait, two minutes, what? But anyway, Boof lies. And says she has Scott. And it's very cute. It's so cute. They end up hooking up in the closet, which surprised me watching it uh, today. Or not today, but this weekend or whatever. Um, And it surprised me because I would have thought, you know, just out of movie language that they that it would have been awkward. And they would have, like, maybe fought a little bit in the closet or whatever. Nope, they hook up. It happens. And what is wrong with Scott? (laughs) Like, Boof is cute, dipshit. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder. Yeah, he must have blinders on because yeah. they grew up together because she's adorable and she's perfect for him. So he's just missing out. <laughs> I think maybe th- this is what I think they're trying to portray. Like, it makes so much sense that Scott doesn't want it. You know, it, it's kind of like kids are always trying to rebel, even if it's good for him. Right. And these two are perfect for each other. They're like the perfect little high school, college sweethearts. I'm not saying they're going to get married, but... That is like your first relationship. And Scott's got like, he's got it made. And he's still like, meh, boof. I don't want to date you because you're just, you know, you're boof. Yeah, you're always going to be there. I think that's what it honestly is. He's like, I can still hook up with this Pam girl because I always know boof is going to be around. I feel like boof is his like fallback if shit doesn't work out. But that's that's where boof has got to go out on her own and tell Scott to fuck off for a while. Yeah. Make him realize that he needs it. <laughs> Even better if Scott realizes that Scott is the safety net for Boof. Damn! Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's, that's like strong feminism right there, if that's how this film went. But 85, oh too early. Too early. <laughs> Especially with uh, white dudes writing it. They're like, what? That's possible? <laughs> Girls can do their own things? Nah, that's bogus. <laughs> but i do love her and i've said it multiple times she's such a great little cute actress and and you know what you know who else is cute in this michael j fox adorable absolutely adorable uh whoever did the casting i don't know he she whoever that was uh good job yeah yeah no good casting yeah like you said styles is like the perfect guy cast in this um and then we, we get uh 
one of the other sidekicks is Chubbs, and it's the guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, good cast all around. And one of the greatest little man horror movies of all time, Leprechaun. That's right. Don't you forget Mark Holden's starring performance in the 90s? Yes, I, I was uh, I was aiming more for the time period, 80s. I guess. Yes. Yep. <laughs> he was such a 80s, early 90s character. And then he just, I don't know if he couldn't get any more roles and he decided not to act, even though he's still kind of acting because he did the new Leprechaun. But that's, you know, we know why. Yeah. It's a, like a retrofit. You know, you needed the chubby guy for the 80s and then that, that trope kind of died and then it became more of the crazy big guy, you know, like Chris Farley from Tommy Boy and stuff. Yeah, and then like the Varsity Blues guy, you know, that's where it kind of turned that that character. Yeah, the big guys always had to be loud and obnoxious. I was looking at I was looking at Chubbs at the party scene and I was like I knew that guy in high school and at every party he always did hook up with somebody. You know what I mean? Like the way the way they portrayed Chubbs at the uh, at the party and everything. I was like, he always hooked up with somebody. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe him because he's semi popular. But at the same time, he also seems like the guy who's made fun of. That's a that's interesting dynamic. Right. He's popular. He's on the team. He's on the basketball team. Yeah, he's on the shitty basketball team. <laughs> but like, yeah, and he's at the party. But uh, yeah, he, the, he's kind of the brunt of some jokes. But I think, like I said, I think he works. I still think he's like popular and liked and stuff like that. No, I, I had an interesting dynamic growing up because I was I was definitely the big guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But it taught me to have a very quick tongue. Like just I could respond back to any criticism. And there were some people like, I don't like to pick on this guy because he's weirdly quick with comebacks and i'm like that was my defense you learned how to be an athlete and all this stuff i learned how to immediately strike back because i i I practice on my brothers who made fun of me all the time so it became practice for the jungle of high school and middle (laughs) school and then i you know and i lost a little bit of weight in college and then i was you know college steve which is probably the worst part of my life but not actually that bad because clearly you know i'm not like in jail (laughs) you made it you survived it it. (laughs) no it was more like uh learning how to survive that's what college was like when you're just a pure idiot but you have an adult body yes stuff hurts stuff lasts you're not invincible but you still think you are because you're on your own for the first time (laughs) (laughs) parents i don't even need you you were just my (laughs) nest now i'm out of it and then like 24 25 when i hit real life i was like oh my god i appreciate you guys so much you guys are the best can i come over and eat food (laughs) because i don't have any i have (laughs) i have one slice of bologna that i think's been in there for two months 20s (laughs) oh christ i don't miss him at all (laughs) i never want to go back ever i i want to like be invincible sort of like my 20s where i could just literally get three hours of sleep and then still function as a normal human but i never want to go back to how stupid i was i would i would go back you know, maybe briefly, not fully, but I would go back to my teens in a heartbeat. Uh, again, briefly, maybe. Uh, but I don't. I wouldn't touch my twenties. <laughs> no, wouldn't even touch them. Leave them. Leave them to die. <laughs> and I'm so glad there were no phones. I mean, there were, but 
it wasn't the same. Yeah, I, I'm in the I'm in the in between of that. Yeah. I, I caught some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your brain was functioning just enough where you're like, "Wait, you can record everything I do?" <laughs> yeah, right. We're posting just... everything on the internet now. Okay, <laughs> shit. All right. <laughs> oh no, man, I missed it. I just just at the tail end of college, I we started to realize that all this shit's permanent. Yeah, my my first year of college was like the first year Facebook took off. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was a senior or junior, you know, a senior, maybe a senior. I can't remember. At least when I got it. And my first ever Facebook page was a joke that I created myself as Jack Black Jr. Because a lot of people said, you know, like I was a thinner version of Jack Black. That's what a couple of my friends and i go i'm gonna be but jack black jr who knows what the fuck happened to that profile <laughs> yeah it's probably still on there you probably, probably find it somewhere <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I didn't understand it i really didn't i remember just going what we just talk about what we're already talking about face to face this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard of social media is dumb i still think social media is dumb but i was clearly wrong yeah Oh, God, it's so bad now. Oh, my God. Who who would have thought 12 years later we'd still have it and it'd be what it is now? <laughs> who would think that I go to YouTube for entertainment and stay the fuck away for your Facebook? Like, if you would have said that, like, five years ago, I'd have been like, no, YouTube's a cesspool. It still is. But at least it's a cesspool that I can filter. <laughs> yeah, at least you can watch... Uh parts of the like teen wolf cartoon on there or something like that something retro at least on there <laughs> but uh back into teen wolf it's kind of an interesting flow that they go through we've seen it you know a lot where he realizes his popularity is a problem yeah he's he's becoming a dick he's not because he's not the person that people originally you know like people like styles and boof really liked in the first place he's becoming something else entirely he's not himself and all of it's fake everybody just likes the wolf they don't like him yeah and, and then it goes into like okay i i want to be in the play as myself and the play teacher i don't even know who this is yeah i would assume like the director of the play who's also yeah. faculty yeah it's weird they never really say what he does other than the play and by the way, the play rehearsal is always just her and him. It's just one scene they keep doing over and over yeah. again. <laughs> so he's uh, like, yeah, that's how I'm going to do it. And he's like, uh, how do I say this to you? Uh, no wolf, no part. And Scott's like, peace. And he's like, well, I'm going to go play the basketball game as myself. And and guess what? Spoiler alert, everybody. They win the championship anyway. They don't need the wolf after all. I don't know that song that they play, but I've heard that a number of times where people have said, like, it's top 50 best original songs from movies. And uh, when I watched it this time, there was a part of me where, I mean, looking at what we're going through in 2020, where you watch hundreds of awful things a week. Well, not you. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're not, but I am because I'm just absorbing like, this is what our world's like, huh? I know the world's always been violent and shitty, but now we can see it all. Before, we used to be able to hide in these little bitty towns. Yeah. Ugh. Now it's everywhere. Yeah, like, you, you think about, like, a town like this one, whatever imaginary town or whatever town that Teen Wolf takes place in, 
like it's such a small world i feel like to them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like the basketball game is like the biggest thing to happen to this town (laughs) well no that's kind of like the beauty of the 80s comedy and 80s horror movies and everything like that is they captured this 50s small world so well in a lot of 80s films where people you know have the nostalgia look back of like the world used to be a lot simpler that's because you didn't know enough about the world you didn't have to you lived in a small world that was bubbled away from everything else that's what our nostalgia of like everything was better back then is about we don't have that small world anymore unless you kill everything on your phone. Well, yeah, anything like social media, news, any contact with the outside world. Like if you just stayed in contact with the people in your town, maybe you could kind of recreate it. But yeah, there's no way. I agree. If I stopped watching news and I was completely off Facebook and anything like that, if I just threw my computer out the window, I was like, my life is great. I just sit in my room and watch sweet movies. Right. No one ever hurts me. And hey, maybe that's where we're headed. (laughs) Maybe we're all just going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know all the evil. I know it's out there. I don't want to know it. (laughs) For Uh, peace of mind, I just need to throw everything away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, There are times where I'm like, I think that's the better life. And then there's other times where I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of people who need help. And then I realized, yeah, but what am I doing other than occasionally donating? I, uh, there's a, a big That's the battle. Dynamic That's the battle. <laughs> dynamic battle going on in my head. Yeah, going into this, he wins the basketball game, and then we get a shot of a girl's crotch that everyone thought was a penis. Do you know what I'm talking about? Girl's crotch uh, at the in the okay. end. It's so at the, the end. No, end, I missed this. I missed yeah, this. Yeah, the very end. They recreate Scott missing the free throw, and then Scott makes the free throw, and then he goes to his dad, and him and Booth kiss. Oh, by the way, one of the best shade I've ever seen applied to someone is when he walks right past the blonde. He doesn't even like look at her. He's just no. got eye contact with Booth, and he just walks right past her. Woo! And then cold Boof, shoulder. Boof and him interlock, and I was like, right in front of Dad. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, that's a that's a lot of uh, public affection. Yep. <laughs> High school hormones, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh man, the shade thrown at her is incredible. I love it. But what? So what's the shot of the crotch that? I okay. Missed? So there. I don't know how this happened, but the original in the Shout Factory documentary, the original editor talks about it. She goes, "I didn't know it was there. It was just a really good shot of Scott Boof and his dad. So that's the shot I went with. And apparently, a lot of people were mad for a long time. It was a conspiracy theory that was a dude with his his dick out." But it's not. Actually, when Shout Factory did it and they got rid of the widescreen bars, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, it's actually a woman that had her fly undone. Actually, I, I don't know if her pants were too tight and she undid her button, but why would you do that in public? But yeah, she's uh, buttoning up her pants and then zipping up her fly. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I missed it. I didn't even see it. I wonder. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah, I wonder if the VHS doesn't even have it because it's full screen. I wonder if I need uh, to see you, it. No, like you only you can see it. You only see the zip up. Oh, okay. So I I'll look at, at I'll it. look it up. Yeah, 
I looked at it on the original one because the recording, that's kind of why I recorded the movie, honestly, for the trailers and the possible Wang Dang. Mm-hmm. But it's not. So it's it's really funny how that's controversy. And I guess it became super popular after... Do you remember when... Not MTV, but VH1, I guess, did controversies in films. They did a top 10, and that was in there. What is amazing to me is, like, as soon as Screen Factory gets the original film, they're like, yeah, we see it all. It's, it's, it's a, First of all, it's a woman. So that kills that controversy. Wow. <laughs> really? Well, I'm glad they addressed it. I'm glad they uh, figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad the original editor kind of gets a little bit of credit. Like, I didn't know. I, I doubt an editor would be like, <laughs> they're never going to know. Yeah, I don't th- Yeah, I don't think it was like a malicious thing. <laughs> no, it was just she probably was. And the first I didn't see it. And I had seen this movie multiple times because why do you look in the left hand corner? No, you're right. looking at the dad. You're looking at what's in focus. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even catch it. Like, I feel like I was just like, oh, I'm looking at the crowd or whatever. You know, like, I feel like I didn't even didn't even think. You want to talk about how uh, Michael J. Fox was on Young Man Fuel or Young Person Fuel? Because he was doing basically three things at once here. Uh, he had a break from Family Ties because the main actress in that was pregnant. So they're like, you got four weeks off. He decided to do this film. He's like, perfect. Yeah, whatever. You're going to pay me some money to do a, a wolf, werewolf slash teen comedy. Perfect. But then his agent's like, hey, you know, on the same street you're on, they're recording this film called Back to the Future, and they're recasting the main actor in it because they just don't think he's very good for the film. You want to see if you can get into that? Michael J. Fox was during the day recording Teen Wolf, then at one point traveled to do the TV movie of, uh, I don't know if it was, it's like Family Ties goes to Paris or some shit. I don't know. Um, I never watched Family Ties. I don't know if you have ever revisited that. I've seen I've seen episodes on like TV Land and stuff. Like I've seen it, but I've never watched it regularly. But he was also then at night... Going to do Back to the Future. Working hard. Hustling. And they said he really never complained about it. There was at one point where he was like, man, my career was going well. And I'm sure this was after hours each time that you have to put on the werewolf makeup. <laughs> where he's like, I'm, a, I'm f- fucking playing a werewolf. What am I doing? I could be the kid in Back to the Future and just concentrate on that. But they said he never complained. He was a team player and he was kind of a perfectionist where he wanted more shots each time. He's like, I think I can do that better. And they were probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, we got it. You did a good job. <laughs> Let's move on. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, the werewolf, uh, his werewolf garb looks good though, but I could imagine it probably took hours to do and was mm-hmm. miserable. Well, yeah, he was getting, you know, like four or five hours of sleep some nights because of all the night shooting on back to the future. And Back to the Future had already wasted like three weeks of shooting with, uh, who am I thinking of? The Eric actor. Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, where they were also trying to catch up. What he was doing was pretty incredible. And I think it paid off because not only is 
Back to the Future, obviously one of the most iconic roles of all time, Marty McFly. Teen Wolf, too, has gone on to become pretty much an 80s classic. And so Michael J. Fox is just, it paid off. No, I mean, he was doing this movie before he became Michael J. Fox. And then it led to it. Then it led to him becoming the Fox. <laughs> so in 1985, Teen, I mean, Teen Wolf was recorded and completely edited before Back to the Future. But what this smaller company did, and I, maybe it's because they were smaller and had good relationships with the distributor, they decided to pull it and put it out two months before or two months after back to the future that capitalized on the popularity because they you know were pretty sure it was going to be huge steven spielberg robert mm-hmm. zemeckis there you know maybe it's going to be awesome let's ride that coattails worked perfectly a million dollar budget and they made just under a hundred million in the box office so good job worked guys. out worked out for everybody <laughs> smart move everybody uh, I also want to mention that the oh, man, I can't remember the makeup effects guy who did the makeup for the Teen Wolf, you know, the werewolf and everything. He went on and he has had one hell of a career. And this is when he was basically in his early 20s. The 80s are so interesting in the 70s and 80s with their makeup effects people because it was so new that some of these guys and girls could just walk on from the street show them that like hey here's some pictures of stuff i did and get a hollywood job yeah they needed young people this was the this was a new thing and they needed young people to do it and young people were the only ones that knew how to do it so bring them in it's it's fun to watch how a lot of these careers came about from like hey i need a job can i get an internship and that's with air quotes because they're like yeah just put makeup on these people and then they could show off what they did. And then they were Hollywood stars in the makeup effects. And that's how most of them came up upon this. They had Polaroids of shit they did at home. They moved to California and got a job. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's a totally different uh, way of doing things now. But yeah, I mean, it's it's quite amazing. Well, it reminds me of the Silicon Valley in the 90s where they're like, hey, I designed this software and then before you know it, they're millionaires. Right. Because <laughs> no one knew the power of what they were doing. It's nuts. It's fun. It's a, it's really fun. They were taking advantage of the situation and they were knowledgeable in the craft. And he did a good job on these wolf effects in this movie, this guy in particular, because it looks so good. It looks it looks great. I really wish I could remember his name. Yeah, it's not on the back of the box. So, oh, wait, yeah, it is. Uh, well, not the guy's name, but it's the Berman Studios. But I, Mark Berman or Mike Berman or John Berman or something? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that will kind of come to the end of all the stuff I got on uh, Teen Wolf. You got any more before we go to the museum? Let's go to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back. What's going in our Teen Wolf edition of the museum? Uh, what are you What are you putting in here? I, I've got a weird one. So what do you got going in here? <sighs> I'm just going to put in the girl next door booth. What? Do you remember? How old were we, six? We're five. I wanted to run away from home, but you wouldn't let me go alone. 
I was afraid you'd get lost. Yeah, but I didn't get lost. We just kept walking around the block because our parents, parents wouldn't let us cross the street. <laughs> God, I thought they were going to kill us when we got home. I know, but then when we did, nobody even knew we were gone. Did you ever tell anybody? Nope. Me neither. Scott, if you ever need someone to talk to, if something's bothering you, I'll understand. Not this time, Booth. You won't understand. She's great. She's yeah. The actress is great in it. She's adorable. She's so likable. Like yeah, yeah. I remember her from Twenty One Jump Street for a while. I I guess she retired from acting. I don't know if she. I don't know what happened. Honestly, there's like a hundred things that when actors stop acting that could have happened. Uh, I don't really know her story, but I find her so charming. I'm surprised she didn't get more role opportunities. I haven't seen her in much else, I don't think. No, I mean, 21 Jump Street, and I think she did another 80s comedy right after this, and then nothing, really. But, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe she got married, maybe she wanted to raise a family, maybe she went to college and she became a professional in something else. There's a hundred different avenues she should have, you know, could have gone down. I just, I, I found nothing on her. Maybe she just realized making movies is the fucking worst. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's great in this. And I think, yeah, she's a good signifier in the museum for this movie. Because, yeah, she's great casting. And she's such a good character. Yeah, she is. She really puts the glue down. Like connecting the father to the son. And then, of course, she's friends with all the goofballs, styles, and the... I, I don't know who the other kid is. I don't know if it's, like, someone's brother or cousin. I really don't know who that kid is. But he's in this Shout Factory documentary, and he's got some good knowledge on it, along with the actor that played Styles, Jerry Levine. I think his name is Lewis in the movie? Is yeah, Lewis? Lu yeah, Lewis. He's just the other, like, best friend or whatever. But, yeah, he's just he's just kind of, like... A guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. His, that's his thing. Are you going to put in uh, the Wolfman dance or the how uh, you completely side with the bully? I completely <laughs> side with the bully here because uh, I'm just the worst. Uh, no, I'm going to put I'm going to put in something uh, we kind of touched on. But with when you were talking about the, the final basketball scene. But I think the soundtrack is kind of worth mentioning here. And I think it's it's interesting because of like the nine, ten songs or whatever in here, they were all written for the movie. I never thought I'd win. Win in the end. I'm gonna win in the end. Win in the end. I'm gonna win in the end. And that's kind of amazing. And there's a bunch of different performers that all worked on these songs. Like, it's not just like one. It's not like Prince doing the Batman soundtrack. It's like nine or ten songs written for the movie for different artists to do. And the songs are good, too. So I got to put this movie soundtrack in here as something like. And I, th I even like the score, too, because the score smartly is like a horror score. So, like, it feels like a horror movie when the wolf parts, but then it's fun with all these like songs that these super 80s songs they have in here. Soundtrack is it, it for me. It kind of really just fits this. And, and I agree with you. I don't know. Did they find all these musicians and then put them in to write 
how do you do this? In exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Ooh, I coughed. I got the COVID. Uh, get out of here. I got yep. it over the microphone now. Oh, no, that's a thing? <laughs> yeah, that's how it, I heard that's how it goes. <laughs> We'd be fucked. <laughs> Very rare. I mean, I remember Maximum Overdrive did that, but that was with ACDC, so that's a huge band. Right, these aren't like super popular bands. And like, yeah, the amount of work that probably went into writing all these different songs and stuff like that, it's just unper- it's unheard of. You know how easy it would be to be like one month of ridiculous 80s werewolf movies? <laughs> this movie is going to be brought back up in a future Analog Jones podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I think no matter there's so many routes we could go down we could do like 80s sex comedies 80s uh, coming of age movies teen teen comedies werewolf movies Halloween light movies like yeah this one's gonna come up a bunch yeah and I do imagine if this is gonna like one day I mean I don't know if anyone will ever do this but have the reverse of Karate Kid where they like spin it where the bully is actually the victim because he played the game, the first game. He won. Okay? He didn't do anything wrong. Then his girlfriend sleeps with another guy. And he's like, dude, what is your problem? And then he becomes a wolf and attacks him. Now, clearly, you know, he attacked him at the dance. But I kind of could see that kind of spinoff going. Like, as a fun YouTube funny video. Because they did that with Karate Kid, and it's brilliant. Yeah, I think that'd be a really fun way to look at Teen Wolf here. I think it'd be a really fun way to inverse it and, and keep it going. I don't know. Maybe. That's just what I thought of. But that'll end it for the uh, Teen Wolf first movie overview. I'm sure in Teen Wolf 2, T-O-O, we're going to have more to talk about in the franchise because that film is freaking weird and maybe we won't have as much behind the scenes on it. Yeah, it's a yeah. we'll talk about the franchise as a whole with that one because there's there's a lot to talk about with Teen Wolf 2, but then also, like, not a lot either. <laughs> it's like, we're going to cover probably all the stuff we need to cover pretty quick in that one. <laughs> I think Teen Wolf 2 has a lot to do with when your mom and dad have a lot of power in Hollywood, sometimes you get a sequel that really shouldn't be made. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> his mama is the number one executive producer, and who I'm talking about, you'll find out next week. So come back for more. We'll talk about a little more Teen Wolf. We'll talk about Teen Wolf 2 and the future of the franchise uh, next week. All right. Remember to be kind. And rewind.